I'm Emma Judd and welcome to The League Cast, a podcast from The League Against Cruel Sports. Each month I'll be joined by friends and fellow campaigners to talk about all things animal. On this episode I'm joined by Daoud Qureshi who is a writer, researcher at the BBC's Natural History Unit, a filmmaker, ambassador for the Bumblebee Conservation Trust and the list of titles goes on. Welcome Daoud, how are you? Oh yeah, it really does go on. Um, <laughs> thank you um, so much for having me on. And um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, just kind of dealing with a short break at the moment, but I'm really um, honoured to be on and to be talking about this topic. Well, let's let's talk about the topic that we are discussing today, of course, is diversity in the animal welfare and environment sectors. Um, mm-hmm. And this is something that's a, it's a passion of yours. So, um, how how did you become involved in the in the sector? What's your what's your background? Um, it's quite a sort of convoluted pathway, I think, um, the pathway I took into um, natural history. But um, I guess it starts in a kind of stereotypical way. I so I was homeschooled from a young age, and I kind of got to grips with. Uh, the smaller types of wildlife, so bugs, plants, um, lots of little tiny creepy crawlies <laughs> everywhere all, all over the place. And that's because I um, grew up in a very urbanised area in London and um, I grew up in a flat above a shop. There was no garden, no nature reserves that were really accessible. Um, the only nature sort of stereotypical green spaces that we had access to were parks and so we go there a lot and um, look at wildlife and nature and those kinds of places Um, and I also didn't have a tv so um, we would watch kind of stacks upon stacks of David Asma documentaries and um, other wildlife documentaries and that's where my passion kind of grew from and then from there I decided to write about it because I think again kind of imbued in me was a real sort of love because um, I was only about nine or eight and so I was just sort of nattering on about wildlife that I'd find out and about on my blog um, which has now kind of turned into a website which is the focus of everything that I do but from there I've kind of grown into various jobs such as freelance journalism um, and up until recently being a researcher at BBC Natural History Unit um, and someone who as a speaker and a writer and a presenter likes to tell stories and that's kind of been core to everything I do but it really did start off just by being just around creepy crawlies all the time so I guess bugs are where it all started off and then from there I started to see how um, you know how bugs and especially invertebrates are they're really at the mercy of of humankind it would seem in terms of the ecosystem being kept stable um and balanced so that they can survive because they really do kind of prop up our entire lifestyle and i think from there came a love for all wildlife and i also love to protect it um because yeah it that just that was really sort of core to everything that i wanted to do after i began to love and I mean, one of those things that, that you wanted to protect was was foxes, because didn't you uh, say when you were quite young, write to your MP about fox hunting? Yes, yes, exactly. So I, when we moved out of um, central London, we moved into um, kind of a more um, suburban area in High Wycombe, and that was where we had um, a garden for the first time. And in the in the garden next to ours was a badger set. Um, and I would go out every night and stay up till really like late um, times to 
look at the badges and to watch them and to watch the cubs come out and to watch the mother come out and then to kind of look for things in the morning and then i got into tracking and i would go into the woods and look for badgers and also look for foxes and i would also look for um, other types of mammals and then came a real amazing love, um, not just through me watching wildlife, but also through Springwatch and through Chris Packham um, of really loving um, mammalian wildlife um, in England. And so, of course, if I'm going to love wildlife and if I'm going to love wildlife like foxes and badgers, I'm going to come across things like the badger cull. I'm going to come, come across things like the fox hunting um, movements that were occurring. And for me, that was a real horrible thing to see, especially as a young a young kid. Not not saying that I shouldn't have seen it, but it really was something that kind of spurred me into action because what I was seeing was this really beloved animal to me that I'd read about, that I'd watched in documentaries, that I'd seen in real life, that I really had strived to catch a glimpse of because they're so hard to catch a glimpse of, especially when you're out and about um, in the woods. And I was seeing it being, you know, tortured, cut down in a real horrible way by people it would seem who had no care for the natural world and had no care for their surroundings and their environment and it also afterwards would stem into areas like racism and um society and and it really had something to do with humans because it very much seemed to me these people who didn't care about these wildlife and and these animals that extended to humans because it you know they they really didn't have a care for humans as well and it would seem that that uh, both of those things that that disregard for life um mixed into the two things so as as a very young kid i um wrote a letter to my mp um in high wickham um asking to basically um repeal and to um go against the um the the fox hunting um movement and to um to basically put things in place that would that would make policies stronger against hunting acts um in the uk and would um allow them to be outlawed but in a way that would mean that it's sustainably outlawed because a lot of the time policies in the uk around hunting around wildlife management around conservation they aren't really that sustainable and it's because the people in power are the ones unfortunately um involved in the in the um acts of hunting themselves and so um even though i did send a letter off it wasn't very successful but i'm glad that i did and i encourage people very much to keep up that that pressure i think well, I mean, uh, we always say at the league that every voice matters when it comes to ending hunting and now strengthening the Hunting Act, which um, I'm guessing probably wasn't in place when at the time that you were writing. But um, and and that kind of leads me on to the topic of this this webcast, uh, this league cast today, is that how do we get a, a a bigger, diverse, a more diverse range of voices and diversity in the sector is something that you are a, a staunch champion of um you know what's what what's your own um i suppose experience been in the sector and being a uh, a person of uh, somebody who is a diverse voice within that um i think for me it's it's been i mean you've probably seen some of the articles that i've written and and, and some of the things that i've said and it you know it's 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 been a bit of a rocky a rocky road i think because it really started off with this wide-eyed wonder of the world and it started off with this you know this extreme love 
of nature and wildlife to the point that I would just get so excited when I'd see moths and I still do and that you know that's where it started it was this extreme love of the natural world but then of course obstacles come along um being a person of color um and also trans and a queer person and um someone who just is not that I'm not the stereotypical stereotypical person you would find in a nature reserve I don't think and and that is because of the obstacles that I came across, which includes systemic racism, the um, the ownership of green land, especially in the UK by very elite individuals, um, the fact that nature is often considered a, a luxury in the UK. Um, and so you, you generally have to be a certain type of person to be able to access it. And so if you're if you are not that sort of person, you aren't surrounded by nature. You don't get involved with it. You feel very much displaced from it. And so therefore, you're not going to be able to work out where your place is in protecting it because you won't have developed that love for it. And I was very lucky, I think, to have to, to have developed that love for it and to have been in an environment, even when I didn't have access to it, that I still grew my love for it because a lot of people around me never grew that love for it. And I don't blame them because they they really didn't have access to any of the tools in terms of learning about biodiversity in terms of learning about conservation it just wasn't there and so even in school when you learn about biology and when you learn about um wildlife it's a very small part of the curriculum that's about conservation and about management of um, wildlife and about protecting wildlife that's not really there in the curriculum and so I think or at least it wasn't there when I grew up anyway. Um, and I don't I don't think it's um it's really there yet in terms of any sort of large chunk of the curriculum that can help kids to understand and and to can help anyone really to understand how wildlife management works in the UK. And so I think that displacement was really what what pained me quite a lot because I understood that I was learning about it, but I felt I felt that I was being pushed out of that um, of that arena almost. There was this whole world to me of nature reserves, of wildlife documentaries, of conservation, of people who worked with wildlife. And I never saw anyone who looked like me. I never saw anyone who had a shared experience that I did. Um, and I never really read about anyone who had the same experiences that I did. And whilst it meant that I could then write these articles and gain some traction in terms of there being a niche for me to talk about these things. It pained me because what I really want to see is sustainable, diverse voices, I think, and people who are in the field. There, there are a few, obviously there's Bird Girl and there, you know, there are there are a few who stand out as being absolutely amazing champions of this movement, but it's hard. And I think that leans into what we're talking about today, because if you aren't in a place where you can understand conservation and wildlife management properly because you haven't developed that love and that interest in wildlife and nature because you are a certain type of person who doesn't have access to it, you're not going to be able to fight properly against things like the Hunting Act because you won't even know it's there. Um, and I think that's really what happens with a lot of wildlife policies in the UK people don't know that they even exist um, and they don't know that these animals are even in danger because they've been displaced from the very environment that these animals live in in the first place so how do, how do we how do we address that and I, I'm guessing it's it's a role that we all play charities like the League Against Cruel Sports 
um, but also other organisations as well. What needs to happen to try to, to to address that to to get more people who look different uh, involved? In in uh, I guess my extremely short career so far, um, I've come across a few different organisations and different people who are really striving to push change and to make this a more diverse industry because. Um, the, the conservation industry is the second least diverse industry in the UK um, after farming. It really isn't, you know, it's not it's not a place where you see a lot of diversity and for the reasons that I've just said um, and for many more. So I guess in terms of changing it, um, I would always push for education. So like I've said, a very small part of the curriculum um, focuses on wildlife management and conservation. A very small part of the curriculum really um, allows people to understand and love nature on their own terms. It teaches us the mechanics, it teaches us biology, but it doesn't really teach you something that you can't learn through a structured systematic curriculum. I think something that you can only learn by being able to go out into nature and to really enjoy it and to really experience it for yourself is that you know it's that love of wildlife it's that love of environment it's that love of conservation now of course there are a lot of things that link into this it's very privileged to suggest that people should just go out into wildlife into nature and enjoy it and really take that chance themselves to experience it because you know people don't have the time they don't have the money to get to these places because of how our um country has almost been divided up into areas that are greener and um, less urbanized being outside of um, central urban areas where most minorities live because of um, jobs, money, et cetera, et cetera. So what we really have to do is figure out how do you get people to be able to access these areas more and how do you allow people to be able to access these areas of wildlife and these areas of nature better so that then on their own terms, they can develop a love and a sense of protection for the natural world. And once you've done that, then you can start to introduce via those areas um, things that allow people to be educated, for example, community workshops, for example, spaces where people can come together and talk to each other about their worries about the natural world. Because little do we know, it could be completely, you know, it could be directly linked to their situation at the moment. They could, um, you know, as we've seen, areas of London have very, very bad pollution in terms of the pollution levels, in terms of um, smog that can be linked to climate change, that can be linked to conservation. And through that, you can then teach people about things like um, hunting. You can teach people about what that does to the world, what that does to the environment in the UK and how that's linked into their specific um, situation. For example, something that they might think they were displaced from, living in, the, uh, living in an urban area, living in centralized cities, you can link all of these things back. And a lot of the things that I think um, needs to happen is linking topics to each other. So we have this idea that um, everything is linked together, but we learn about things in a very, um, a very displaced way. We learn about subjects in a very displaced, very boxed off fashion. And so if we begin to create these areas, for example, these community centers, for example, these areas of green spaces that we see popping up now and then in London that allow people to access wildlife and nature. People can learn about it better. So I guess 
um, I think my advice would probably be introduction of new um, education policy and how, I don't know, taught, how nature is taught. So you need to change the way we teach about wildlife nature so that people can understand it better from their own perspective. You need to make um, areas of nature more accessible. But I think also we need to address the fact that a lot of people don't know about what happens in terms of hunting because not a lot is shown about it because, of course, it's seen as something that is quote unquote obscene it's seen as something which a lot of people won't want to see in terms of documentaries in terms of filmmaking in terms of any sort of writing that's produced on it and someone you know someone like me who comes from a background which is journalism which is filmmaking um i see a lot of a lot of a lot of documentaries a lot of stories a lot of things that could have been told being sugared being watered down so that they can be shown to the public and I think that almost disrespects the public's ability to take this in and to understand it and to then do something about it. And so I think what needs to be done is a different approach needs to be taken to providing information on hunting and providing information on um, conservation management. Because I think, you know, when people speak out about the truth, for example, Chris Packham has oftentimes tweeted or oftentimes said things and people have I don't know, articles are reported on it in a very controversial sense way. So they've suggested that this is very controversial, that all he's done is say what's actually happening. And that is because the way it's reported on normally and the way it's filmed and the way it's told normally is in a very watered down way. And it's in a very soft edged way, which I don't think really does any use because whilst it provides it in a way that people can more easily take it in, it then kind of does away with the with the feeling that we have to do something about it and we really do have to do something about a lot of the a lot of the issues that are occurring right now especially in terms of uk conservation so i would say a different approach needs to be taken to educating a different approach needs to be taken to um providing information in terms of filmmaking in terms of the stories that are told and we also really need to work on accessibility because that's a very big thing. That's one of the main reasons that we don't see a lot of diverse involvement in the UK in conservation and in wildlife. It's because no one can access the information around it and no one can actually access the spaces where it happens. Oh, thank you. I mean, organisations like ours, well, certainly the League, we are desperately trying to to reach different audiences to, to get the, our message across. Um, so that's given us uh well, basically you've you've issued, issued a challenge to us to uh to, to yeah. make sure that we're communicating as broadly as possible and it's one that i'd be delighted to take up I and mean, it's one of the reasons why we we started the league cast mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but no thank really, you oh no i was just saying that that's really lovely to hear because i, I think um I, I really i think a really good things sometimes and something that i don't realize is that there are multiple people working on these projects um, and there are systems of people across the UK that are working on these projects like yourself. And so I think for me, as someone who has often maybe in my early days of working on these things, thought that I was working alone on them, you know, reaching out and being able to kind of, like you said, issue this challenge and then for it to be worked on perhaps by me with you and a lot of other people with yourselves 
on getting these ideas and this information out to the people who need to know about them that's really cool to hear because it gives me hope that it will work and then it allows more people to join this movement and to join the fight because it I think hope fuels that fight and so um, I think thank you for giving uh, giving that hope well, let's see. Let's well, let's see if what we can do. Um, you mentioned uh, that you're mm-hmm. on a on a career, well, on a on a break, um, as as a lot of people are. What's next for you professionally? Um, so I think in terms of uh, the break, I really did. I really did realize that I was doing a lot of work and I wasn't enjoying any of it, um, and that really pained me because it reminded me of a place I was in where. Um, so when I did my degree in marine biology, I was really losing my love of the natural world, which seemed very ironic to me since I was doing a degree in marine biology. And so that really should have fueled more of it. But a combination of COVID, a combination of burnout really made me just it just made me not enjoy what I was doing anymore. And that, you know, that's something that I'd never want to do. I never want to be working for the natural world and not enjoying what I do. And so I realized that I just wasn't enjoying it. And so I've decided to take a small break at the moment. But what's really core to me is that storytelling and that writing. And so I'm working on my writing at the moment. Um, Hopefully we'll go back into wildlife film production because um, that is one of my dreams to be um, a renowned uh, wildlife filmmaker and to be a renowned journalist and to hopefully be an author. And so I think for me, the dream really is to continue writing and continue telling these stories from my perspective but also through this I've managed to learn so much I you know I followed the league um, in terms of on social media through articles for a long time from when I was quite young actually and so it's really cool to be able to actually I'm actually involved with one of the things now and so um, I recognize that through this journey of storytelling I've been able to learn a lot and I've been able to meet um new and amazing people and so that's what I hope I think career-wise is that I continue to tell stories that I continue to push movements that need to be told that I continue to issue challenges um, and that I continue to be able to meet amazing new people and so we can knit together almost this 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 group of people that is going to actually push for a sustainable a sustainable change in policy in the UK because whilst I'm not a fan of pushing for the idea that only policy can change things. At the moment, it is seeming that that is one of the very big key aspects of what we're doing is we just, you know, rather than simply just talking to people and getting people to protest, we also need to change that policy. So that would be another thing that I would want to work towards in my career is to change a meaningful policy that would actually help conservation, not only globally, but in the UK. And also in terms of socially and, and um, humanly, if possible. I can't wait to follow your career. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today. It's been so interesting talking to you. And I'm sure um, we we'll, would we'll be delighted to have you on again um, when the next phase of your career takes off, like it will. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Thank you so much for inviting me. And it's really, yeah, it's been, the questions have been amazing. And it's, yeah, it's been a pleasure to be able to talk about this subject in such depth amazing that's it from this month's episode we would love for you to get in touch on our social channels with any questions that you might have had though you can find us on facebook twitter or instagram by searching for the league against cruel sports 
Please also make sure you subscribe to The Leadcast so you never miss a single episode. 